Well, I hope that as we draw near in this last week to the celebration of the birth of the one true king, that the joy, the inspiration, the power, and the grace of God is drawing near to you, and that you experience all the different signs of what God is doing and all the different decorations and songs, and all of that points to the reality of who God is and what he's done for you. As we kind of close out our series of Advent messages that help us to, in that season of anticipation and long, we're talking about we're covering the joy that has been lost and how in, we're not really this Christmas talking about what happened at Christmas, we're talking about what difference Christmas makes. And so we've been talking about these four dimensions of recovering our joy. We've been talking about gratitude, humility, resilience, and peace. In other words, if you can think of it almost as the opposite, that entitlement steals joy, that pride steals joy, that a lack of courage and falling away steals joy. And today, we're going to talk about how peace is an essential quality to us rediscovering the joy of the good news of the gospel. And as we've been doing this, we've been looking at excerpts from Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, which is a letter that was written with the express intent of helping a community that had lost its joy to find it once again, in which Paul says these words, I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this. That the one who began a good work among you will see it to completion. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because you hold me in your heart for all of you share in God's grace with me both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation and the gospel. For God is my witness how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus and this is my prayer that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what is best so that on the day of Jesus, you may be pure and blameless, having produced a harvest of righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And so if there is then any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion or sympathy, then make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, regard others as better than yourselves. And let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interest of others. And let the same mind of Christ be in you, who though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. But he emptied himself, he took on the form of a slave and being found in human likeness and being born in human form, he humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, since you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but also even more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling, for it is God who is at work within you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and complaining so that you may be blameless and innocent, 
children of God in the midst of a warped and a crooked generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. And yet whatever gains I have, these I have come to regard as lost because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as a waste in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes from faith in Christ, the righteousness of God based on faith. Because I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Oh, not that I've already attained it or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I don't think that I've made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. And so rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving in your hearts, let your requests be made known to God and the the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will stand guard at your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's anything that is excellent, if there's anything that's worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have heard and seen and learned and received in me. And the God of peace will be with you. There are two scholars that have had way too much free time on their hands. These scholars decided that they were going to chart 50 years of popular music in the United States from the years 1965 to the year 2015. And what they discover, pop songs are a lot sadder than they used to be. Let me nerd out with you for a little bit to see the data. They charted positive emotions in song. They would go through each song and they probably had research assistants who were graduate school students who had to do this for them. But they gave them assignments and they said, we want you to go through this this song and we want you to chart every time there is a positive emotion, 150,000 songs. This is the chart of of positive emotions that were used each year in songs. And then the opposite is true in this next chart. They went through and said, every time there is a negative emotion in a song, we want you to tally that. This is the rise over time of negative emotions in the last 50 years in popular music. And in case you're thinking that they're categorizing these things wrong, just even if you were to take two case studies of words, the word love and the word hate, here is the use of the word love over the last 50 years. And here is the rise of the word hate in popular music in the last 50 years. One of the largest studies that was ever done on the subject of joy or happiness is by the Gallup organization to which they wrote a book about their research talking about the global rise of unhappiness. 
and how greater than any kind of pandemic from any other kind of virus, unhappiness is spreading at a faster rate than almost anything else in all of history. And this is what David Brooks reported in reading this research. We live in a world of widening emotional inequality. The top 20% of the world is experiencing the highest levels of happiness and well-being since they began measuring these things. The bottom 20% is experiencing the worst. It's a fundamentally unjust and unstable situation, the emotional health of the world is shattering. The fall of love, the rise of hate, the increase of negative emotions, the decrease of well-being. Do you think we need to hear the words of the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the church at Philippi Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We need the peace of God like never before. In my previous church in California, this is a true story, a true story that um, we're just in the office, it's one random day, apparently there was a middle-aged woman in the community who used to walk the community. We as a church had redone our vision, we had come up with some new vision language for what we cared about in the church, and we had changed, after we had done this visioning process, some of the banners which were on the outside of the church campus and building. And one of those banners said, unfathomable peace. True story, middle-aged woman decided to divert her walk. She walked by the church every single day. She walked into the church office, went to the receptionist and said these words, you guys advertise peace. I don't have any, how can I get some? And she was ushered into a pastor's office to talk about the peace of God that surpasses all of our comprehension. And so today in this moment, I want to picture as if you walked into my office and you said, Pastor, I don't, I don't have peace. What would I say to you? I would pull out Philippians 4 and we would read it. And I would tell you that I can't manufacture peace for you, that I can't engineer peace for you, that peace is both an outward condition of your circumstances and the inner reality of your heart. But I could help you take a step or two towards peace. And that the ancient wisdom of this letter that has been passed down sacredly from Christian community to Christian community for almost 2,000 years, has said that the steps of peace are like this and that the first one is gentleness. The way that the scripture talks about it is simply like this. Let your gentleness be known, be evident, be obvious 
to everyone. Eugene Peterson tells the true story of when he and his family and his kids were kind of at uh, kind of early teenage years, they were up in a national park and they were walking through uh, one of those trails that goes through an alpine meadow. I don't know if you know this, how much time you spend in national parks, but the, the, the meadows often just burst with all different kinds of gorgeous flowers, but it's illegal to pick those flowers. And there was a little six-year-old who was walking through the field and was going through and picking flower after flower after flower because this six-year-old girl wanted to give her mother a bouquet of these beautiful flowers. Well, Eugene Peterson saw what this little six-year-old girl was doing. And with his big preacher voice, he fussed at her and told her to quit it and that that was illegal and that you couldn't do that. And the little six-year-old girl dropped the flowers that she had collected, burst into tears, and ran to her family, to which Eugene Peterson's family began to berate him and said, you can't do that. It's just a little girl. But he said, in reflection upon it, not only was his family right, it had nothing to do with the fact that she was just a little girl. You're not supposed to treat one another that way. In a book called Subversive Spirituality, he said this, you cannot yell people into holiness. You cannot terrify people into the sacred. My yelling was far worse violation of the holy place than his picking a few flowers. I do that a lot, bluster and yell on behalf of God's holy presence instead of taking off my shoes myself, kneeling on holy ground and inviting whoever happens to be around to join with me. Is your gentleness evident to everyone around you? If I were able to secretly follow you in the store, in your workplace, with your spouse, with your family, with your friends? Would one of the first things that they say about you to be able to say, they're really gentle. Kindness, it is said in the scriptures, is the only thing that leads to repentance. And one of the biggest liabilities that we have in the church is that we think that we can do the Lord's work in the devil's way. And that we think that if we're right, we're justified in our anger and our self-righteousness and our indignation and the way that we treat and correct other people. I'm here to tell you that is not a path to peace. And that peace begins by your willingness and mind to just be gentle with the people around us. And so the first step that you could take towards peace would be to, to learn how to live out of that gentleness. The second step towards peace that you could take, according to Paul's letter here, is nearness. Specifically, 
the nearness of God when it says, let your gentleness be everyone to everyone because the Lord is near. What we celebrate at Christmas is, the fancy word for it, is the incarnation, God taking on flesh, God choosing to be near to you, to be in relationship to you, to be close to you. That this is the the nature and the quality of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. That God has come to dwell, to remain, to abide, to, to be with you. I have a friend who, when he got married, he married a woman who had been married previously and her first marriage was shockingly horrible. Verbal abuse, physical abuse, abandonment. At one point he got so mad at her when her hand was on the kitchen table that he stabbed her hand into the table with a knife. And so you can imagine the trauma that she brought into the new marriage. It was the morning after their wedding, the morning of their honeymoon. And the husband woke up to see that the bed next to him was empty. And that when he sat up in the bed, he noticed that at the other end of the hotel room where there was a chair, she was sitting in the chair with her head in her hands and she was weeping. The first day of their honeymoon. And he went over And he kneeled before her and he asked her, what's wrong? And she shook her head. And he said, why are you crying? And she looked at him and she said, because you're still here. You're still here. She never thought that there was one who could love her enough to be close, to be gentle, and to stay. Your first step towards peace is gentleness. Your second step towards peace is knowing that God has come near to you in Jesus and he has called you to draw near to others. And so there's gentleness, there's nearness, and then thirdly, there's prayerfulness. The scriptures talk about it this way. Do not worry about anything but in everything, by prayer and supplication, which is just a fancy word for like interceding on behalf of another, going before God on behalf of another, a prayer of petition. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
You can worry about something or you can pray about something. You cannot do both at the same time. Worry is a form of meditation where you spin inwardly or you can meditate on the promises of God, the goodness of God, the grace of God and put your confidence and your trust in God. You cannot worry about something and pray about something at the same time. You will have to choose. Where is your attention? Where is your gaze? I'm about to tell you a story that isn't just like a one percenter story. It's like a point one percent story because the setting of this story is in the Greek isles of some of the most beautiful waters of the Aegean Sea. I'm with a group of people from this church and we're going from our cruise ship to a small tender boat to get to the shore. And even though it was a beautiful day outside, it was windy and there were kind of some freakish gusts that were happening. And that the tender boats were basically glorified lifeboats. They were really small and you felt the impact of every single wave that was hitting. All of us, because we were all trying to get ashore, we're shoved into this little tiny boat. We are crammed next to one another and you had some awkward locations in this boat where you were sitting next to people you didn't know before and you were like right here next to them. And so I'm sitting here and there is a middle-aged woman from Ireland who's sitting right here kind of facing me. It was like, hi, how are you? And of course, that would be fine if we were sitting still, but it was like this. And so she's facing towards me and I'm kind of facing towards her and I can tell this is not a seafaring woman because with every wave, she is turning greener and I'm like, this woman is facing me and I am terrified she is going to throw up all over me. And you could tell that she was worried and she was crying out and, and with her beautiful lilting kind of iris accent, she asked me why I wasn't afraid. And I think she was expecting me to say, oh, I've got a lot of sea experience from Lake Waco where I grew up or something along those lines in Texas. No, that's, I, but that wasn't why. She's facing this way, I'm facing this way. The direction that I'm facing, and I took a picture of this after the fact based on the question that she asked me is, this is what I could see from where I was sitting. Who is this? That's the captain. That's the captain of the boat. From where she was seeing, all she could see was wind and waves. From where I was sitting, all I needed to see was the captain. Prayerfulness, at its heart, is about attention and asking and waiting. And the question is, do you keep your gaze on the captain and because his face wasn't worried, I wasn't worried? Because his demeanor wasn't fearful, I wasn't fearful. If you're afraid, it's okay. The solution to your fears, your worries, is not to focus on your fears and worries. It's to focus on the captain. And let his peace come into you. Gentleness, nearness, prayerfulness. And finally, a made-up word whateverness. This is how Paul says it. Finally, brothers, 
and sisters, my beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard in me, and the God of peace will be with you. You are more than welcome when you come to my office Come to my office and tell me what is wrong. And more often than not, after I listen, sometimes patiently, sometimes not as patiently as I would wish, I'm going to say to you, okay, but what can you do? Most of the time people are like, I can't do anything, I can't fix it. I'm like, I understand that you can't fix it, but what can you do? What is that next best, right, good thing? True, honorable, just, pure, pleasing, commendable. You are not completely powerless in the situation and the circumstances that you were in. You can do something. And so my challenge for you in your journey of peace is to not feel like a victim and to not see yourself as powerless or as trapped, but to know that there is something that you can do and to do that. And when you take that step, peace will start to come. And so I want to put these things on the screen and just give you a moment to ponder Is there a step you need to take? Something in regards to gentleness or nearness or prayerfulness or whateverness. This Christmas, is there a way that you can grow in your peace by taking one of these steps? So when when I grew up in church, I grew up in a kind of a smaller Presbyterian church that um, that was very rote in its its liturgy, and it was the same thing every week. Even by the time I was in like fifth grade or something along those lines, I could probably have written, other than maybe the changing reading of scripture and the sermon, I probably could have scripted the entire service for you. And there was a part that as a child that I hated the most. And you might think that might have been the length of the pastoral prayer. Nope, that that wasn't it. It was this awkward moment in the middle of the service that is captured by cartoons like this one. Do you know what I'm talking about here? That moment where we say, hey, everybody, we're going to share the peace of Christ with one another. We're going to have people greet one another in the service. I was an extroverted child, and I hated this part of the service. In part because in my little formal Presbyterian church, everybody would walk up to someone else, and they would handshake, and they would say, the peace of Christ to you. And the other person would say, and also with you. And then you would go to the next person and you would share another communicable disease and you would say, the peace of Christ to you. And you would shake that person's hand and you would say, and also with you. Here's the interesting thing. Over time, what began is what I thought was the most awkward and the part of the service that I disliked the most, over time became more and more meaningful to me. 
that peace wasn't just the kind of thing that you either had or you didn't have. Peace was the kind of thing that you shared. And peace wasn't just something that the preacher talked about. Peace was something that we gave to one another. It's funny, the first time I went to Israel, um, this should have been the most obvious thing in the world, but I didn't realize it. That when you wake up in the morning and you go down to try to find a cup of coffee, you will be greeted by somebody in hospitality in the hotel and they will look at you and they will say shalom, which means peace. When you say goodbye to somebody in Israel, you will say shalom. When it's the Sabbath, they will say Shabbat shalom. It is shalom, 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 shalom everywhere. Peace is not just an idea for God's people. It's something that begins and ends every interaction and conversation that we have. And so you know what I'm going to ask you to do? I'm going to ask you to extend a few moments of extended, painful, but necessary Christian tutelage of sharing the peace of Christ. And in that, I want you to use the original Hebrew. And I want you to look at people in this sanctuary and I want you to look at them in the eye and I want you to say, shalom. It's okay if you use the southern version of that, which is shalom, (laughs) y'all. And so whether you're online and you're watching right now, I want you to know that, that this greeting extends through the camera and into you. And so I want you, if you're online, to pick up your phone. I want you to text a friend, Shalom, and have them wonder about your sanity. (laughs) But in this moment, as an act of a closing prayer, I'm going to ask all of you to stand up and share the Shalom of Christ with the people around you.